Welcome into Two Point Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner, still doing the remote podcast, but with improved audio. We figured it out. We figured out the work from home setup. Everyone has to with the COVID nineteen pandemic. I hope all listeners are staying safe, including you, Mike. I have kind of figured it out because Riggins is over here uh, on the couch with me, liable to bark at any moment. My dog. <laughs> He's a terribly behaved bulldog. But we love him anyway, and he'll be a new. He'll be the new. He'll be the third member of the podcast from now on. Mike Quinn is the third member of the podcast. The fourth member of the podcast. Yeah, he'll be the fourth member. And to get a scouting report on Riggins, Mike's dog. He's lo- you know built low to the ground, thick boy, fat with an underbite. He's not aggressive, but he can get a little happy at times. He- he's an interesting guy. On he's the a leash- fullback. He's outdated. He's twenty years past his prime. He would have been coveted more in the early two thousands. I comp him to like a fat sausage. I think that's my NFL player comp for him. Tootsie, but, roll. Uh, tootsie roll for sure. All right, let's dive into the podcast here today. We're going to be talking the biggest needs unaddressed by 2020 Super Bowl contenders after free agency. I think this is very important because the teams that are filling needs in free agency feel like they're on the cusp, feel like they can make it to the big dance with a good off season. And I think this is a good opportunity to talk about these Super Bowl contenders, guys that went eight or teams that went eight and eight or above this past year, except for the Houston Texans, because they took a significant <laughs> they took a significant step back in the offseason. Yeah, we're, we're we're not including the Texans as a Super Bowl contender for very obvious reasons. I'll say when you lose your best playmaker on offense, uh, and you lose you know one of your best defensive linemen, and really do nothing to replace either of them in the course of the offseason, I, I think you're just the needle is pointing downwards for them at the moment. Unfortunately. In addition to all those teams that went eight and eight or above, we're also going to be counting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tommy Tampa now under center and the Indianapolis Colts as Super Bowl contenders in 2020. Let's kick this off, though, with the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, this is a team that doesn't have a ton of needs where you need good, you know, good players at high positional value. They have that Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in football right now on a rookie contract. Tyreek Hill, a needle mover at the wide receiver position. Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher, both average to above average offensive tackles on the back end. Tyron Matthew was a huge help to them. However, I think if there is still a need for this Kansas City Chiefs team after frenzy, it is at cornerback, making me think that the back end of the first round, don't draft a running back like all these other mock drafts have the Kansas City Chiefs doing with DeAndre Swift or Clyde over Hilaire. Go get yourself a cornerback. That's where I feel like there's going to be value for the Chiefs in round one. Yeah, Brashad Breeland, I mean, they probably don't have enough cap space to retain him. Obviously, Kendall Fuller gone. Now he played safety down the stretch, whatever. They kind of blurred the lines with Tyron Matthew and Fuller in terms of safety and cornerback. But I think one thing is for sure, it would behoove them to address the position. So, And so I think in that defense, you need an all-around type of cornerback. Uh, I think if the, if Christian Fulton really is sliding, and he wasn't even in the first round for Lance Zerline's mock that draft dropped today, NFL.com. Wasn't even in the first round for him. If he's there on the board at 32, now Zerline had them going with running back in George's DeAndre Swift. But Christian Fulton's there at 32. You would be crazy, in my opinion, to pass on him there. To me, he is what that defense needs. And Christian Fulton is getting underrated, in my opinion, in this class. I know Jeffrey Kuda is fantastic. C.J. Henderson has all this athletic ability up there with the best man coverage skills in this class. But Christian Fulton, man, you turn on the 2018 tape with Fulton, it is mighty impressive. He battled an ankle injury. I think he suffered again in Texas against the Texas against Texas early in the season, had to battle through that. I think Christian Fulton's 2018 tape better than his 2019 tape and a better indicator of how good this player is. Yeah, I mean – He's very, I cannot for the life of me see him after, like I said, watching him in 2018. And he wasn't even like that bad in 2019. Like it's getting a little overblown. And the fact when it was bad, it was because of injury. I, I would be floored if he slips out of the first round. So give you guys a first round pick on these. And then I think a later round pick. And if they got a guy like Jalen Johnson, the Utah cornerback, who I don't think has been generating a lot of first round sort of hype at this point. Haven't seen him there. But if they got him at the back of the second round, those are two guys that, like I said, I think you want an all-around cornerback in that Chiefs defense, a guy capable of playing man, playing zone. To me, he has that uh, and then some in this class. 
All right, let's press on here. We got a little bit of breaking news from Tom Pelissero of NFL Media. The Uh-oh. Steelers, the, Ste- the Pittsburgh Steelers are finalizing a deal to send a fifth <laughs> round pick. Oh, Riggins is, is excited about this deal. <laughs> send a fifth round pick to the Baltimore Ravens for Chris Wormley and a seventh round pick. Your take, Mike Renner. My take is why don't we just interrupt the podcast to talk about this? (laughs) I saw trade with an exclamation point and then clicked into the tweet and I got excited. But as I read through that tweet, I got a little less and less excited. Um, So not super big take on the Baltimore Ravens trade there, but an interesting. I mean, why would you? I'm not not saying why would you do that? Like Chris Wormley was former third rounder. I kind of liked him coming out, too. Like, I, I thought that was good value in the third round. But like you just gave up the same thing the Ravens gave up to get. Calais Campbell, you know? Yeah, that is... The Steelers wouldn't have, would not have had the cap space to fit Calais Campbell in there, but yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of just... It makes sense. I mean, he was he was available after the Campbell deal because they were redundant to themselves, so yeah. I don't know. I don't think really... If you're trading in the division like that to a division rival, you must not think highly of a guy. Alright, let's get back to what's important here. The Kansas City Chiefs, cornerback still in need in the draft. Christian Fulton at the back end of round one or Jalen Johnson on day two would be great fits in Kansas City. To the San Francisco 49ers, the runner-ups in the Super Bowl this past year, wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders, still a free agent. Dante Pettis has not panned out to what some draft analysts wanted him to be. Marquise Goodwin, I think a free agent as well. I'm not sure, actually. Marquise Goodwin, though, regardless, is not a true number one wide receiver. At 13th overall, they traded DeForest Buckner, the defensive tackle, for the 13th overall pick from the Indianapolis Colts. I think they go wide receiver. Either it's Jerry Judy, who I think fits better in Kyle Shanahan's scheme than CeeDee Lamb, or they go get CeeDee Lamb. Both of those players are true wide receiver ones. Yeah, it's like from the movie Draft Day, where it writes on the card, I forget even the name. Vontae Mack, no matter what. No matter what. Yeah, Judy or Lamb, no matter what, at 13. If one of them is there, you cannot pass on them if you're the San Francisco 49ers. It gets more interesting, though, if they do or if neither of them are there. Do they go someone like Henry Ruggs? I'm not so sure, you know, with Marquise Goodwin on their roster. Similar players. Now that's not calling Henry Ruggs Marquise Goodwin. That's just saying they bring similar skill sets to the table. I think a late round option that I like for them is K.J. Hill from Ohio State because of just what Cal Shanahan sort of seemingly covets in his scheme. Route runners after the catch type of guys. That's what Dante Pettis was. That's what Debo Samuel was. I think that is what KJ Hill is. And if you're talking about third, fourth rounders in this draft class, he's going to be pretty, pretty comfortably the best route runner of that bunch in that area. Day two, day three prospects I like for them at that position, Devin Duvernay or Antonio Gibson. I know they're very similar to Debo Samuel, but why not have two? I, I think Antonio, Antonio Gibson, Gibson oh. would just be like Jalen Hurd. They're the same guy, like not the same guy, but that's like that. that is kind of their type, though. It's just guys mm-hmm. who are dynamic with the ball in their hands. And I think, but I'd say Antonio Gibson is better with the ball in his hands than Jalen Hurd. I, I think he's, I think he's a better athlete after the catch. Dude, yeah, I mean, we hated the Hurd. Or I hated the Hurd. <laughs> that was not, you did not to me wasn't a good wide receiver. It wasn't a particularly good running back either, unfortunately. All right. Well, either way, San Francisco 49ers, they dress wide receiver in this draft, whether it's Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, which I say Jerry Judy because I think he's a better separator, better routes, better releases. But CeeDee Lamb, very, very good after the catch. And I know the San Francisco 49ers do covet that at the receiver position. I think CeeDee Lamb, the San Francisco 49ers would be good as well. Day two, KJ Hill of Ohio State, a guy who lit the senior bowl on fire. Maybe Devin DuVernay of Texas or Antonio Gibson of Memphis, two guys that are very, very good with the ball in their hands that will be available on day two, day three. Moving to the Green Bay Packers, who we have third on this list, by the way. Wisconsin Homer, Green Bay Packers Homer over this here. This is reverse draft order. Come okay. On. Okay. Anyway, Packers, the Green Bay Packers, they, their position of need, just like the San Francisco 49ers after free agency, is the wide receiver position. And at 30 overall in the first round, hello, Denzel Mims, Brandon Ayuk, maybe Jalen Rager. Let's add some explosiveness to this Packers offense. That's what it has to be. And it's the explosives that explosiveness aspect, excuse me there. Marquez Valdez-Gantling, they wanted him to be that. He has some of the worst ball skills I've seen of any wide receiver you know, in the NFL. Just like he cannot consistently track the ball down the football field. And if you're a deep threat and can't consistently track the ball down the football field, you're not a deep threat anymore. You're worthless. <laughs> you don't bring much to the table, unfortunately. So he kind of fell out of favor in that Packers offense. They need someone to bring some speed to the table there. Because Devontae Adams, as good as he is, is not – exception he's not super fast like he ran a four five six coming out he is not 
he wins on the intermediate un, intermediate underneath range, not necessarily deep. So yes, those two guys, Mims, Ayuk, I, I think first round makes a ton of sense for them to address it. But if they do somehow pass in the first round, I think their type of wide receiver that they've drafted over the years in Green Bay is Tyler Johnson, the Minnesota wide receiver. You've now, come to Devontae Adams before. I mean, yes. Tyler Johnson not going to run a fast 40. Well, he's not going to run a 40 at all with all pro days canceled <laughs> with COVID-19 pandemic. However, Tyler Johnson, a slower receiver, doesn't have that top speed. But what he does bring to the table, releases, and route running. Route running. After catchability. That sort of thing. So that is, if they if they do pass, which I will be floored if they do. They're just in a good position to get talent at wide receiver around one that would have value. But if they do, that to me would be their day two, day or day, second round, third round type option. Green Bay Packers still need a receiver after free agency. You're hearing back into the first round, Denzel Mims of Baylor, Brandon Ayuk of Arizona State. I also like Jalen Rager of TCU at the back end there. And then Tyler Johnson as a day two, day three option. Moving to the Tennessee Titans with the re-signing of Ryan Tannehill. I won't mention the tag of Derrick Henry. I don't think that improves or disproves their Super Bowl odds as much. I, I think with the Tennessee Titans, they still have A.J. Brown. Ryan Tannehill, a good offensive line. I think they're still going to be there the back end of the first round. All right, so with the Tennessee Titans, still need a defensive tackle. Jordan Elliott of Missouri is coveted as a first-round talent on PFF's board right now. A day-two, day-three guy by other analysts, other media. However, really do like what Jordan Elliott brings to the table. He, at the back end of the first round for the Titans, I think makes sense. Yes, and I think there are some other names too, like Ross Blacklock. If he sneaks into the back end of the first round, this could be where it is. But they kind of, the Titans, they kind of smoothed out this roster, you know, with that Vic Beasley signing. I, I don't think they're pigeonholing themselves into necessarily getting a uh, another edge guy across from Harold Landry, the back end of the first. And with the Jarrell Casey trade, it kind of just red flag, you know, bright lights went off at defensive tackle that that's where they're weak. They only really have Daquan Jones there right now as any sort of impact player. So while we're not the biggest fans of drafting defensive tackles highly in the draft, the impact and sort of uh, value you're getting is an exceptional. I, I still like this defensive tackle class. And if I, I still believe in Jordan Elliott as a riser in this defense tackle class, as a possible you know, guy who once you get around draft time, similar to kind of Frank Reg now, I remember once you get around draft time, it starts to leak. Oh, People actually like this guy at the back end of the first. I, I feel similarly about Jordan Elliott heading into April, late April. How about day two options? If they don't feel need a defensive tackle in round one at the back end of round one, what are some names that you like for the Titans to fill defensive tackle? I, I think they just need some pocket push, pushing ability there because of those speed guys on the outside. Like you need it collapse. You need the quarterback to not be able to step up because Landry is an edge, pure win the edge guy. Vic Beasley is a pure get to the edge guy. So some pocket push. And I think the best option in that sort of area would be Devon Hamilton from Ohio State. Saw it at the Senior Bowl. Saw him, you know, taking the center back routinely. That is his bread and butter. So I do think that if you do miss out, you know, in the first round, I don't say miss out, but if that's not where you go in the first round, Devon Hamilton, probably I'd say the third might be where he comes off the board, uh, would make a lot of sense for them. All right, moving forward here to sum it up, Tennessee Titans defensive tackle need Jordan Elliott of Missouri at the back end of round one, maybe Devon Hamilton, the Ohio State defensive tackle, who put on a good performance at the Senior Bowl, was kind of thought of as this big, beefy nose tackle type that plays the run, but he pushed the pocket at the Senior Bowl. I think he can do that at the next level. Going to the Baltimore Ravens. Off-ball linebacker, a need for this team, and I think there's some good ones in the spot they're currently at. You look at Zach Bond of Wisconsin, a hybrid edge off-ball linebacker type that I think would fit well in Martindale's system. And also, I think this is my favorite, and you brought this up first, so I'm giving you credit wholeheartedly. Kyle Duggar of Lenore Rhine. Moving him to an off-ball linebacker type of role because he is that kind of locked, you know, rocked up 215 pounder in this very versatile positionless defense, like what kind of Clemson is trying to do at the college level, is something I really, really can't get on board with. Yeah, I, I think it's the explosive blitzing aspect at the linebacker position that is necessary in that Ravens defense, and that what they should get. Obviously, the need is obvious. They, they really have no one there. LJ Fort. Right now, as a starter, like are you really going to go in the season with LJ Fort as your starter? I would, I would hope not. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, so Zach Bond, Kyle Duggar, 
if at the back end of round one, their ability to get to the quarterback and get to the quarterback in a hurry as an off-ball blitzer because they blitz more than any other defense in the NFL. Very coveted in that scheme. And then a later guy, day two, day three, Jordan Brooks from Texas Tech has a similar skill set, not necessarily the sort of uh, probably the moves or the ability to beat blockers that Bond does. And that's why Bond's going to be more, more than likely coveted highly in this draft. But he comes downhill in a hurry, and that guy can hit like a brick. And if he's one-on-one with a running back, the running back's not winning that matchup. So I do think Jordan Brooks has similar qualities. And if you're getting him end of you know second round, you'd be pretty happy about that in that defense. All right, moving forward here from the Baltimore Ravens to the Seattle Seahawks. And I, I love this fit. I love this position of need for Seattle. Cornerback, still very important position for them. And there's two of them that fit what they like a lot on day one and day two. Day one option, Trayvon Diggs, super long arms, can play outside corner. If he gets his hands on you, he's up there with the, some of the better cover corners in this class, Trayvon Diggs of Alabama. And Bryce Hall, who's coming off a pretty significant injury. But, man, in 2018, led all college, you know, all, all defensive backs and forcing completions according to pff bryce hall of virginia another long-armed cornerback that maybe isn't up there from a top speed standpoint with some of the faster cornerbacks in this class but trayvon diggs and bryce hall very long and win with length at the, at the college level yeah so they have a they have a handful of needs on this roster if they if they're not able to re-sign Jadavian Clowney, which it doesn't seem that's uh, going to be the case they obviously need a pass rush too. LJ Collier couldn't even see the field last year. And yes, they signed Bruce Irvin, but it's not yeah, Bruce Irvin at this point in his career, not a great option. Yes. They need tackle and offensive line help as well. But I do think, and I said this before, if you're going to come through the NFC in this day and age with Tom Brady, now there with Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo with everything, you know, with all those quarterbacks in the NFC, you better have a damn good secondary. They don't have close to a secondary that can win in the NFC right now. So that to me would be priority numero uno, Trayvon Diggs. And they have a type there in Seattle, long press corners. Trayvon Diggs has that in the first Bryce Hall, Virginia cornerback has that skill set in the second. Like there, there is a type. Now they haven't drafted cornerbacks that highly. They've relied a lot on third round guys and later to address, to, you know, be their secondary over the course of the, the, you know, Pete Carroll and John Schneider era there. But with how pressing of a need it is, I think that has to change. And I think this is the year it does. Moving to the Minnesota Vikings, who, after trading Stephon Diggs to the Buffalo Bills, have two first-round picks at the back end of the first round at number 22 and number 25. Two kind of positions of need for them are wide receiver and edge defender. I think they'll have opportunities in round one and day, no, day one and day two to fill those positions, especially with two picks in the first round. Starting with wide receiver, what are some names that make sense for the Vikings, specifically in round one? So I think with Stephon Diggs, what you lost was – any semblance of a downfield threat. Like Thielen is your underneath intermediate guy. Yes, he can win down the field, but he doesn't have the speed to, you know, threaten and scare you down the football field. So I think some speed at the receiver position will come in handy. So Jalen Rager, to me, that would be an ideal fit in just terms of the explosiveness, getting down the football field to replace what you lost from Stefan Diggs. You're never going to be able to replace his, you know, full route running skill set, but you need to replace that downfield threat or else you, you know, you risk turning into the Eagles. You risk turning into the Patriots if you just don't have speed at that position where everyone's just squatting on all of those routes, uh, on all those underneath routes. So that, to me, makes a lot of sense. The early rounds, someone like that in the later rounds would be like a Devin Duvernay from Texas, former track star, 439 sort of guy, uh, has the speed. Obviously, he played slot at Texas, had a lot of screen passes there. But, like, he, in the bowl game against Javelin Guidry, he ran a 429, was producing down the football field. I think you can be your vertical slot option at the next level. So those two make a ton of sense to me. At edge defender, what are some names? So Mike Zimmer has a type at edge defender. He likes tall. He likes long. Dating back to, I mean, drafted Daniel Hunter fits that mold. Dating back well back to his days in the Bengals when they, you know, Michael Johnson, Carlos Dunlap. He likes those edge setters that can push the pocket with length, to me, AJ Epinesa, this is where he'd come off the board in the first round because that is who he is. I mean, he has the length. If you're in a role like that in the NFL, I think he can stick there in New England, or excuse me, in Minnesota. I don't even know why I said New England. At 4-3 defensive end there and just kind of be your 
edge pocket pusher, every single snap sort of guy. I think that would be a great role for him. And there's not many, to be honest, that fit. So when they were, like I said, with Cincinnati and in Minnesota, they got, you know, Dino Hunter was a third rounder, I believe. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, a third rounder. I think Michael Johnson might have been a second. Like, they haven't drafted those guys super highly, but gotten successful play out of them. I think Trevis Gibson is the one guy who, after the first round, would fit that mold for me in terms of length, size, edge setter kind of guy. And a project, but has all the tools to get it done. I think that AJ Epinesa fit to the Minnesota is nice. I really do like that, especially now that he's going to probably slide in the first round after, you know, what was poor athletic testing at the combine. If he falls past 25, I'd be pretty wowed. I mean, I, I don't, I, I think AJ Epinesa to the Vikings, I think is a good fit. And I also like, I mean, Travis Gibson is a guy we've had on the podcast on a previous episode, a guy that I think is underrated in this class, friend of the pod, Travis Gibson, I think he's underrated in this class. I mean, he's earned high pass rushing grades at Tulsa, played out of position a bit. I think he plays more of an edge role at the next level, and I think he could thrive at it. I think those two guys, AJ Epinesa, Travis Gibson, I would I would highlight those two guys as options for the Minnesota Vikings. I just right. did. Yep, there you go. There you go. <laughs> New Orleans Saints, let's, do, uh, let's look at wide receiver for them. I think they need some speed with Ted Ginn Jr., now a free agent. Yes, this one is a little obvious. Traquan Smith. He's not great, and he has some speed, but I think they could add some guy who's dynamic with the ball in their hands as well to that. I've been pushing the LaVisca to New Orleans train. I don't know how the NFL is going to feel about his injuries, and again, with the coronavirus going around, guys with injuries might be screwed in this in terms of the getting you know, evals before the draft, getting, their, getting to you know, team facilities so doctors can check them out. That might not even be feasible prior to – late April's draft. So uh, guys like LaVisca may see some nosedives come draft time, but I still love the fit. I mean, adding his playmaking ability to Michael Thomas, to Alvin Kamara, just, and, you know, to, uh, gosh, Sean Payton, who himself has coronavirus. Hopefully he uh, wish him good health there, but it just makes too much sense as a later round option. Again, dynamism ball, ball in the guy's hands, he can make something work with it. That's KJ Hamler to me, Penn State wide receiver, small guy, uh, slot kind of option at, at the NFL level, but so fast, so dynamic with the ball in his hands. Uh, I just think you feed him the ball on screens and that sort of stuff, and you're going to you're going to have good results. I think the LaVisca Chenault Jr., I mean, he comes in and can be what what they want Taysom Hill to be, but he probably just doesn't throw the football down the field. I mean, this guy can be a gadget player that can do a lot of better things with the football in his hands than what Taysom Hill can do. And as for KJ Hamler, can instantly fill that Ted Ginn Jr. role that they're kind of losing with him being a free agent. Hamler, similar ball skills to uh, Ted Ginn Ginn Jr. I mean, Ted Ginn Jr. doesn't necessarily attack the ball that well, and KJ Hamler, ball skills, a concern with him. Buffalo Bills, I think... No first round pick, just traded Stephon, just traded for Stefan Diggs. The need there, cornerback opposite of Trey White. I think that's a huge win for the Bills if they can find a guy on day two, day three. Yeah, so they they have options. This actually pouring over the Bills roster, it makes a lot of sense why they gave up that first for Stefan Diggs. It's because they don't really have needs now. Mm-hmm. Like maybe guard they could use. Uh, John Feliciano is not the best option at guard at the moment, but like they have options at least everywhere that look like they don't have a liability on that roster. But I do think Josh Norman was cooked last year. Like you, you may not be getting great play out of Josh Norman across from Tredavious white. If you ha- expect him to be a starter, Levi Wallace, I mean, took a bit of a step back in year two. I'm not sure you're going to rely on him to give you high level play. I think a guy like Cameron Dantzler would make a lot of sense. If you're looking for that outside corner opposite Tredavious white, they could obviously address the slot as well. But Cameron Dantzler, a zone guy in terms of has the length, has the instincts, and that speed will not be nearly as an issue uh, in Sean McDermott's scheme as it would be elsewhere. Like we, he has similar speed to what Josh Norman had coming out, and Josh Norman had his best years with Sean McDermott. So I do think that Cameron Dantzler, if there's a, if there's a team that would still covet him highly, it would be someone like the Buffalo Bills. As day two, day three options, I see you have listed here, Josiah Scott, Michigan State, and Amik Robertson, the Louisiana Tech cornerback that's graded very well in PFF system for all the right reasons. This guy gets his hand on the football. A ton of forced incompletions for Amik Robinson. The problem is small-ass dude. This dude is tiny, 
And for yeah. that reason, probably, I mean, definitely not playing outside cornerback in the NFL is going to have to find a role in the slot. But, you know, adding slot help, a guy like Amik Robertson, who's a feisty, willing tackler, maybe he does get beat down by some bigger backs. But, I mean, Amik Robinson, I think an impressive player in coverage, and his grades reflect that. Yeah, so that's the other thing. It's like they could still use slot. Like they could use help as a slot cornerback. And those guys, Josiah Scott from Michigan State, Amik Robinson from LA Tech, have the best like zone instincts. If they were six foot tall, they'd be first round picks right now. But they're five eight, five nine, and they're one hundred eighty five pounds. And they just get thrown around when wide receivers want to get physical with them. They're just not going to hold up on the outside in the NFL. But they do. That still can work and win in the slot. So I do think both those guys. Uh, are your probably third round slot cornerback options that could actually step in and make a difference for you right away. So much like a Chauncey Gardner Johnson from a season ago. Oh man. Chauncey was fantastic for the new Orleans saints this past mm-hmm. year. I really do like Chauncey's tape from 2019. All right. New England Patriots 23rd overall pick. You know what they need? It's a replacement for Tom Brady. I think it's their time to take a flyer on a high risk, high reward type of quarterback in this class and and no quarterback better than Jordan Love the roller coaster that is the Utah State product Jordan Love a guy that has the high end of Patrick Mahomes as said by multiple analysts even Brady Quinn on the PFF pod I think Riggins speaks to that as well but I think Jordan Love I think a fit at number 23 overall for the Patriots yes Uh, so my thing is I, I actually thought about dropping them from this list of Super Bowl contenders because realistically without Tom Brady, are they going to win the Super Bowl? But I didn't really want to tempt fate. I, I didn't want to have that come back to bite me. So I put them on this list. I didn't want to antagonize Belichick, poke the bear, so to speak, put them on this list. But yes, it's obvious they need a quarterback. I'm not sure draft is your best bet of actually fixing it, but I love the idea of drafting Jordan Love if you're the New England Patriots. Now, we don't see him as first-round pick, but... I can see a scenario where he turns into an NFL starter. Like there are, there is a lot to like about his talent. If anyone's going to get the most talent on the quarterback, it's probably going to be someone like Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots. So uh, the situation makes a lot of sense. And from the perspective of if you're uh, a quote unquote tanking in 2020, if you want, like if you want to get the highest draft pick, if you are bottoming out, you start a rookie in Jordan Love who just almost threw as many picks as touchdowns last year and who might not necessarily be ready to start in the NFL, chances are you're going to bottom out. Like, chances are it's not going to be good year one, and you will struggle. So that could secure you someone like a Trevor Lawrence, someone like a you know, Justin Fields at the top of the first round. So I love it from a lot of different perspectives there, taking Jordan Love. With that being said, and I've said this on a handful of PFF content and things like that, Jameis Winston, New England Patriots, I want to see it. I want to see Belichick get the best out of Winston. Jordan Love is Jameis Winston with a higher ceiling and at a much cheaper price tag. I mean, I mean from a contract standpoint, I, I think Jordan Love, high risk, high reward, but way higher ceiling than where Jameis is right now, knowing what we know about Jameis with his years in the NFL. I think Jordan Love to the Patriots definitely like that. Day two, day three option at quarterback to compete with Jarrett Stidham. Washington State's Anthony Gordon. Definitely like this guy. I mean, he's graded very well. Eric has said he might have better value on day two than Justin Herbert has on day one. Gardner, like, I mean, he gets the Gardner Minshew comps, but this guy just has a feel for the position. You see it in his games where, like, this guy can just, like, he just he plays the quarterback position well. He doesn't have maybe the high-end talents of some of the other quarterbacks in this class, but he has that innate feel for what has to happen when things break down, creating outside of structure and those things. And I think there's, there's, there's reason to like Anthony Gordon a lot. And he can operate an offense like New England's is kind of the other thing. Like you're not going to throw Jalen Hurts in there and operate New England's offense. You're not even going to throw Justin Herbert in there. To me, he's not a great fit for what New England does uh, in terms of quick, accurate decision-making. Anthony Gordon's much better at that. He just doesn't have necessarily really the special throws on the football field or the big arm to make all the throws. He is good, though, in that – get, you know, get snap process quick, you know, process, you know, numbers on defense, a lot of, cause like you heard the, I don't know if we've talked about it before on this pod about how uh, it was Gardner Minshew talking about Mike Leach's offense is just looking at numbers. It's just, you know, I have, th- they, I have three here, they have two, I'm going there. And that's how you got to see that process it quickly and then go there quickly. A lot of that's kind of what Tom Brady does in the offense, in the Patriots offense. Now, obviously a little bit more complex and purely that, but it's about deducing 
right at the snap where your best matchup is and then going to that in that New England offense and getting it on time so that you maximize so that that five-yard gain can turn into it. That five-yard pass can turn into an eight-yard gain, which can then move the stick. So I, I think he can operate what New England asked him to do a lot better than some of the other, you know, maybe better prospects at the quarterback position in this class. All right, I'm going to pause our, you know, overview of Super Bowl contenders needs that haven't been addressed in free agency to announce that the Denver Broncos are signing Melvin Gordon to a two-year, $16 million contract with $13.5 million guaranteed. Mike, immediate reactions to that. I personally am just blown away. To give a running back that much money guaranteed, I feel like it's absurd. And I can't imagine there was that big of a bidding war for Gordon's services. I mean, that... They have Philip Lindsay. They have Royce Freeman. It is not a position of need. I, I'm lost by this contract. I'm lost by how teams are still falling into this idea that like running backs deserve these types of deals. Man, they were good. Like they were good at running back. Philip Lindsay has averaged the same yards per carry as Saquon Barkley over his career. Melvin Gordon is going to make more than Philip Lindsay over the next couple of seasons. Like I'm, I'm just blown away by this. Like you struck gold in an undrafted free agent out of Colorado and Philip Lindsay, and then you go and still allocate money to the position rather than going to try and improve positions of value. You just saw Mackenzie Alexander sign a one-year $4 million contract with the Cincinnati Bengals, and you're going to go thir- give $13.5 million to a running back in Melvin Gordon. I, I, I just find that insane. Like all of the data points that money is better spent elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, John Elway won a won a Super Bowl with what Terrell Davis was. How how what round third? It was a later round draft pick. I don't know. I, there's just you're not eight million though is not really a starter elsewhere. It's not like it cost them you know a starting cornerback or starting linebacker. That was what Christian Kirksey got from the the Packers, and he's not anything great at the linebacker position. So I'm not I'm not sure it's a ton of money, but it was not a position of need and it's not necessarily an upgrade in my opinion. So I'm not sure why exactly they had to do that, but yeah. All right, here we go. The Broncos grab their next version of Terrell Davis and Melvin Gordon. here. I, I will, yeah. I will just be, I'll be interested to see what Emmanuel Sanders signs for, because not that they were going to re-sign Emmanuel Sanders, but like you can probably get an option at a different position, maybe a veteran option that would have upgraded for eight mil a year. Yeah. I mean, and 13 and a half million guaranteed is kind of, I so mean, he's that's, there for two years. Yeah. That's, that's a big number. Like I, I, again, I just don't really, don't really get it. What about Robbie Anderson, even Robbie Anderson to Denver. I'm interested to see what he signs for. Cause that's, yeah, that would have been a, that would be a great fit. Cause Robbie Anderson, one of the five, you know, uh, up there with the best free agents available right now. I mean, I don't know. Nicole, Nicole will be cool. He may not be on everyone's board though, for true. reasons no. we've recently discussed on the podcast. That's, that's very true. That's very true. Let's get, let's get, let's get back to the pot here. Let's get back yeah. to addressing needs for team Super Bowl contenders after free agency for the Philadelphia Eagles. They add Darius Slay via trade. And then, then they make him the highest paid cornerback in football. I love Darius Slay. I, we seen on Twitter, PFF getting some flack for that grade this past year. He gave up catches at the catch point, And we talked about this off the air. It's like, you know, that's still a negative giving up receptions is a negative no matter where you slice it. However, I still think at 29 years old, Darius Slay, one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. Philadelphia, though, still has a pretty glaring need at linebacker. Do, do you see a linebacker in round one worth taking for Philadelphia at 21? Yeah, as much as everyone wants to give them a wide receiver because oh, their wide receiver core is so bad last year, like Sean Jock Jackson comes back this year. And J.J. Ortega-Whiteside's in year two. It could turn around quickly. A lot of injuries were a factor there. So, they don't necessarily have to go, you know, wide receiver round one, but their linebacking core right now is pretty rough. You got TJ Edwards, you got Duke Riley, you got Nathan Jerry. That's not good. That is objectively not good. Just oh my God. and with <laughs> with the athletics, the athleticism of some of these linebackers, a guy like Patrick Queen in the first round could just make a big difference comparatively. I mean, just athletically. Duke Riley and TJ Edwards, like basically those dudes can barely move. So I, I do think that. Nate linebacker Jerry too. could be fit. <laughs> well, Jerry, yeah, Jerry convert safety. He can't tackle or do a lot. He's not going to, none of those guys are, I mean, all kind of liabilities in their own, you know, individual way. So I do think linebacker could be the pick now at this point for them at 21. Uh, so Patrick Queen make a lot of sense there to me. Troy die is still kind of this, you know, third rounder that I think can actually improve your coverage, you know, right out the gate. I think he has that sort of skill set. And, you know, playing a lot of zone like the Eagles have, 
in recent years. I'm not sure what they're going to be doing this year, though. But the turnover, I, I think, would make a lot of sense for them. Here's a name on day two for Philadelphia. How about Willie Gay Jr. or Mississippi State? Bring bring that athleticism. You you say Duke Riley can't move. How about I bring in Willie Gay? Who clocked what in the low four quarters at the combine? Explosive dude. I mean, he's got some off field question marks, but I'm I'm ready to do it if he's, you want. He to is kind of like the sleeping like who's gonna. Pull it the feels like it feels like he's like be- destined to play for the Bengals next year, right? No, I you know? see. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with Devontae's perfect kind of comp there, or whatever you're getting at. I, I think. I think. Well, personality. Like, no, like you can't punch a quarterback. Who's going to take it? How many people are going to take that risk, dude? Dale Jeremiah said he's been awesome in the interviews. I, I guarantee he's off. Not, really? I guarantee. Really? I don't think he's off as many boards as Devontae's perfect was. Perfect went undrafted. Okay, yeah, he's not Devontae's perfect, but. Like the the Bengals are the team that just doesn't take that guy. They took Joe Mixon in the second round. They just don't take that guy off the. But they don't. They give a shit what their fans think about yes. who they're drafting and <laughs> what their personality is. Like Pac Man Jones, they're like, please come back. How has Robbie Anderson is a video not of you just slugging the, the girl at a bar? I yeah, mean, Robbie Anderson feels destined for the Bengals if that's the case. I mean, he might shit. I mean, that's not a bad shout. All right, let's move forward here because the Bengals are not on this list as Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. But um, yes. Chicago Bears still have a need at cornerback. I mean, they have needs everywhere. To call. I, I, why are they on this list, Mike? I don't think the Bears are Super Bowl contenders. In they have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. If you have a Super Bowl winning quarterback, you're a contender. Excuse that me. is a joke. I'm going to call it out right now. No, it's I mean, a joke. Defense we'll is still good, though. We'll talk, we'll talk to Chicago Bears. Need at cornerback. What are some names? Because they don't have a round one pick. I mean, what are some names on day two, day three for the Chicago Bears that can help that defense? They don't really have a lot of needs, though. Like, you look at this roster, it's pretty complete. They could use guard. I don't think that's where – that's not going to be bang for your buck, though, with this roster. Cornerback would be bang for your buck. They lost Prince of Mukamara. They have Buster Screen in the slot. They have Kyle Fuller on one side. I think – they need NFL-ready cornerbacks, too. And to me, most NFL-ready cornerback that's not going to be in the first round is probably someone like Damon Arnett. One, because Ohio State cornerbacks are all NFL-ready. Two, because he's 23 years old already. Like, this guy's this guy is a grown man. Uh, so I do think if he's there for them in the second round, that there's a good chance that, that could be the pick for them. If we go even, even later rounds with how much – you know, zone they play there in Chicago. One of my favorite later round zone cornerbacks is Penn State's John Reed. I think he just has great movement skills. Uh, I think he's his feet are real quick, and he's played a lot of did a lot of pedal outing, pedaling out. Jesus, pedal outing. Um, did a lot of pedaling out at Penn State. A lot of zone reads. A lot of looking at the quarterback and the wide receiver at the same time. That's what he'll be doing in Chicago. I think he could uh, also join that. Another guy who's twenty three years old already. Like he's already a grown man. So I think they they need that in the Bears defense with how all in they are at the moment. All right, Tampa Bay Buccaneers talk about a team that's all in. They trade not, not traded for. They signed Tommy Tom Brady now Tommy Tampa two years fifty million dollar contract as I think what it was signed to. Yeah, two years. What <laughs> fifty million? We're alive then. For Tommy yeah. Tampa, we have T-shirts on PFF.com. Go to the PFF shop George right now. Keeps making us talk about Tom Brady. He Every, does everything we do. He's like spring up Brady. Just bring them up. Bring them up. All right. With the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though, 14th overall pick in the draft. They they can push for a Super Bowl in this window. Definitely can. And I think their glaring need, and you agree with this too, offensive tackle. They need to address offensive tackle. If they're going to have Brady back there holding the football longer than probably he ever has in his career, they're going to need some help on the bookend. Yes. Yeah, so I use I use our lads. If you've never been to ourlads.com, I use our lads for depth charts. It's a great resource. Love them because for some unknown reason even though we track every player on every football play we don't collect depth charts at pff so i use them for depth charts and at the moment they usually have like position by position and then a name and then a name behind that at right tackle there's not a single name they do not have a guy at right tackle at the moment for the Tampa bay buccaneers that seems like a bad thing if you have a 43 year old quarterback who you just paid 25 million dollars to be your franchise basically you're going to want to protect that investment, especially in Bruce Arians offense, which has continuously one of the longest times throw in the NFL continuously takes the deepest dropbacks. Like he will be under heat in that offense more than he ever was in new England. So getting a stud right tackle is, you know, priority number one at the moment in the draft. They're in luck with how this one's shaping, shaking out. Andrew Thomas to me, people are saying he's going to fall there. That would be that's just slam dunk home run turn sprint in the card 
take him, stick him at the right side and just don't even look back because that is your best bet to pass, you know, to get you safe and up to date in pass pro year one. I think they have to do it. I can't imagine them passing on offensive tackle, especially if Andrew Thomas does fall to 14. But if they do pass on offensive tackle, maybe add a safety blanket there, a receiver. I don't know, Justin Jefferson, perhaps, if they do like him a ton to play him in the slot. I'm not sure. But if they They're do They're not going to go receiver in the first round. Maybe they could they go defense. They maybe. could go defense. They could go defense. If they don't address offensive tackle in round one, give me a name for day two, day three. So Jason Licht, I think, has a type in terms of what he likes. And one of his types is small school guys, the offense line, both guards right now uh, were D or I think D three guys, Alex Kappa what was the Humboldt state. Ali Marpet was, uh, you always forget. Oh, there it is. <laughs> so those guys were not. So I think Ben Barch, uh, St. John's D three would be their type. And I think he actually, I mean, from what we saw at the senior bowl, I think he's ready to play in the NFL. You would think a guy coming from that level of competition would struggle for him to not, not only not struggle, but be very impressive in the one-on-one pass protection drills is very encouraging. So yeah, I think Ben Barch in round two, if they don't go tackle in round one, which they, they got to go tackle in round one, to be honest. But if they don't, Ben Barch round two would, would be a good fit for them. I think with Ben Barch, too, he could bring that smoothie to the TB12 diet. And I think part of that, now the TB12 diet has that I smoothie. Brady would just puke on sight if he had to drink that. <laughs> His body would just, he would turn into like an old man. All the years of not eating what tomatoes or whatever he doesn't eat would just come I would back. Put, I would put good money on if ben, whoever drafts Ben Barch, that there will be media content made on one of his teammates drinking the smoothie. I, I'm just going to bet good money on that because they just oh, made so much of that at the combine. That's the that lowest like- hanging fruit. <laughs> you couldn't, Vegas wouldn't even put odds on that. It's too obvious. Fair. All right. Let's, uh, let's, they're putting odds on everything teams. right now because they need the money. <laughs> let's speed around through these uh, last few teams here, these last few Super Bowl contenders. All right. Dallas Cowboys need at edge defender. What, yes. What's your take here? Do, do they attack it in round one? I think they're picking what, 19th overall? I think cornerback makes more sense for them. Defensive back specifically, or not, less, specific, less specifically at 19. But do you think edge in round one, or is it more of a day two pick for them? Yeah, I mean, they really need edge, though, is the thing. As much as, you know, cornerback still looks ugly, but they have options. Anthony Brown has played all right in the past if they go with him on the outside. They really don't have options. Tor- Dorns Armstrong, I can't, still can't believe he was a fourth-round pick way back when. <laughs> Joe Jackson, a fifth-rounder last year. I mean, maybe, maybe Randy Gregory is uh, cleared and plays again after, uh, you know, all those suspensions and the NFL laxing its policy on marijuana. But I, I think it's a huge need. But, I, again, I, agree, I actually agree with you in terms of I'm not even going to give you a name to draft in round one. I, would, I, I don't think that's where I want to address it. There are better players at better at other positions that they also need. So I'm not, I'm not going to give you a name for round one, but I think they make a lot of sense for Julian Aquara. That's where I could see him coming off the board in round two with this athleticism, with what they've coveted at the position over the years, guys that can penetrate and get upfield to me, that's Julian Aquara. Now I, I get that it's a different DC, but I still think some of that can still translate. It's crazy how not necessarily good this edge defender class is. Like after Chase Young, it, there is a significant drop off in this class. Well, so like I like them, but they are flawed. It's like Curtis <laughs> Weaver, we've talked about a lot as being flawed. Julian Aquara also. I, I think they can be productive, but it's not. You know, there are there are real red flags. There is the thing. All right, moving forward here, let's jump to the next team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Consider if ben, ben, Big Ben comes back. I like Deontay Johnson, what we saw from him last year. I think Juju is going to have to bounce back. A lot of expectations for him. Still need, though, interior offensive line and defensive line. That's where they need their you know, need the most help. Yeah, so I'm going to actually switch this one up and give two names instead of – or give a name at each position instead of – so they definitely need guard. I don't think Chikwuma Okorafor is the answer at guard. To me, he was a tackle only coming out of – what was it? Western Michigan, I want to say. When he did the third round, I didn't actually love that pick. And so I, I don't think that's your answer at guard. To me, if if Natani Muti is on the board for them in round two, that is the slam dunk home run pick of the the draft. That is like that fit makes so much sense in terms of their running scheme, what they need. I would love that if Natani Muti, Fresno State guard, went to Pittsburgh Steelers. That's my pick for them, you know, early late rounders to address the you know, defensive interior, 
you're not going to get, you're not going to replace Javon Hargrave overnight. Like his pass rushing ability, uh, his ability to push the pocket. I just don't think you're going to find that necessarily in the draft. Maybe in Neville Gallimore in round two is feasible, but a guy I like to just at least replace him in run defense is John Pinacini, the Utah state defensive tackle to me. What was that last name? (laughs) You really John Pinacini. Okay. He's the only guy in this draft class with penis in his either first or last name. So John, he probably just got smoked in middle. Is that a red flag or green flag? (laughs) It's hard to say length matters though. And I think he doesn't have great length. Unfortunately, well, you're not going to, you're not going to love his length. Pinacini's, but he makes up. (laughs) It's the motion of the ocean. They say, uh, he makes up for it with good, uh, he uses his hands really well. And he is, to me, the better run defender of those Utah defensive tackles between John Pinacini and Lecky Fotu. He's a better run defender. Fotu offers a little more in terms of what he can do as a pocket pusher. But Pinacini, if you just want a look, if you just want a chunk in the middle of your defense, he's your man. Yeah, you got two beefcakes to the Steelers here. Natani Muti exactly. is, is a monster. I mean, and John Pinacini is, is another guy that's just like, I mean, he, he looks like his feet are in mud at times. I mean, not super athletic. Change of direction is kind of garbage. But, I mean, those guys are beefy dudes up front. All right, moving to the Indianapolis Colts, the last team you have listed here. But I got another one for you coming up. They weren't 8-8 eight eight or above last year, but I think they made some moves this offseason, potentially make a push. But let's start with the Indianapolis Colts. I know Colts. Where you're going with this. They, they need a wide receiver. It. I mean, you go, you go to the Philip, Philip Rivers won your deal, I, and I think that instantly makes you a better team than you were with Jacoby Brissett. However, you trade that 13th overall pick for DeForest Buckner, which I, I do I do think improves the team, but not at a valuable position like wide receiver. Now they don't have a round one pick to fill that need opposite of T.Y. Hilton. On day two, are there options for them to attack that? Yeah, so they have pick 34, so they're right at the top of day two. So they have to be kind of licking their chops after T. Higgins' pro day saying – Get him to fall for us. Get him to fall for us. Because that is, that's Philip Rivers' type of wide receiver. Philip Rivers loves the contested catch guys, the throw them, just give them a chance down the football field, put it on their leverage, and they come down with it. That is T. Higgins, to a T. He did that extremely well. Jesus, to a T. I did that again. He did that extremely well with, you know, the connection with Trevor Lawrence there at Clemson. So either him or someone like Michael Pittman out of USC, I think they need a big body. They wanted that to be Devin Funches last year. Obviously, he, got hurt but that that's what this kind it's of also offense, not good which it, it plays a role well. that plays a factor <laughs> this offense needs that role or needs a guy in that role philip rivers needs a guy like that so higgins or Pittman, honestly like i hand to god believe they're going to get one of those guys at the moment that's just that makes too much sense for them yeah and i think with indianapolis Colts, i mean you said I love that fit to a T for t higgins and you fall in love with jordan love have been kind of constants for can't you stop saying them can't stop saying him, but I will say this. You said in the past that if you want a big receiver in this class, you should grab T. Higgins. But I am of the opinion that Michael Pittman Jr. is not too far off. Like Michael I Pittman know. is good. I, I really do like Michael again Pittman. For an article I wrote last week about the best day two wide receiving options and guys we love on day two and why this class is so special. And dude, watching Pittman again, he just yeah gets the UCLA open team. I really much do like everywhere. The UCLA team. Like, I mean, you go go watch him against Darnay Holmes, which is kind of a mismatch because he's so much bigger. But, like, he can move well. Like, his change of direction is not bad. And he's not – I think he's not slow either. So, you want 4 yeah. five, two at 225 I think he had a sub-seven second three cone as well, like, in the six nines. I mean, this guy can – I don't know. Like, I – you. You, if you are an avid listener to two point drafts, I mean, I've been on Michael Pittman Jr. for a while now. Same with oh, Justin Jefferson. The, I've been on the guy? No, no. I haven't, okay. Austin. I will say this. I will say this. But you Michael were first. So I think where we where we do value him is in a good spot. Like that thirty to forty range is good. But like you take him in the first round, I'm not going to be super concerned because I do really like what he put on tape. And he's got the NFL bloodlines. I know that means means a lot to NFL teams. But let's jump to my my team. You didn't have him listed here on the notes, but Las Vegas Raiders, baby. Let's roll the dice on a Super Bowl. Wait, can I ask this question first? Because I'm out of protest. Are they still your team if they're not from your hometown anymore? Now that they moved out of Oakland. It's hard to say. I, 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 win, lose, or tie, Raider till I die here. I'm Oakland born and raised. It's hard to find a new team. To be fair, though, with the here, I'll do happening. it for you then. Biggest need, quarterback, round one option, trade the farm for Justin Herbert. There you go. I fixed you guys. 
you how much would you hate that that would be rough i i, I okay hear me out on this Derek carr not great i don't think they're actually legit super bowl contenders you're not beating patrick mahomes with Derek carr i don't care what pieces you add more in free agency or the draft however they are going to be a much improved team with adding Corey littleton nick witkowski i like the malik collins signing jason witt and jeff heath those guys aren't moving the needle but in the draft you have the 12th rod marinella is going to unlock cleveland Farrell. maybe furl the- by the way it's furl I can't. I'm gonna say Farrell. You you did. I wanted to mention this earlier in the podcast, but Ortega Whiteside rolled off the tongue I nicely. Dropped a thing. It I was hated very it. good. It was very good. Anyway, with the Las Vegas Raiders, they've addressed linebacker and free agency. They don't need to draft Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray at 12 or 19. They can attack wide receiver and cornerback. Go grab Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb at 12. Even Henry Ruggs. Let's get that deep threat. And then at at 19, you can get go swing the bat on a corner. CJ Henderson, I think at 19 would make a ton of sense. I know. Mike Mayock and company love the Clemson guys. I think AJ Terrell could be the guy that they actually actually take at 19. But CJ yeah. Henderson, if he's still on the board at 19, you add let the best either Jerry Judy or CD Lamb at 12, and then CJ Henderson at 19. I still don't think they're Super Bowl contenders with Patrick Mahomes and others in the AFC. I do think, however, this is a much improved team that's way more on track than they were after you know the last two draft classes. Yes. I mean, I've debated including them in Super Bowl contenders. But like you said, are they going to get past? Do they have enough to get past Patrick Holmes right now? I don't know. But they're in a good spot to what they did this offseason free agency and where they're at in the draft with two first-rounders. So I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That, that could help them. That could, that could boost them into Super Bowl contender status. And they're fringe Super Bowl contenders. I think that's important to know. I mean, they're in a similar tier with the Bears. I mean, they just don't have a good quarterback. You don't have yeah. a good quarterback. So it's going to be. You got to catch lightning targets. in a bottle if you don't have a good QB, unfortunately. And I think the Raiders have already caught that lightning with Derek Carr in what, 2016? I mean, it's gone. Like, that was it. That was the year. And now the injuries have kind of made him into a different quarterback and the system has completely changed. I don't know. It's an interesting situation, but I'm sticking them in there. Las Vegas Raiders have definitely improved. I feel like that is the thing that doesn't really get talked about. He plays the injury. I feel like scared him. Like he, he plays well, so differently. And he I thought, the leg injury, I thought similarly the about Aaron Rodgers after he broke his clavicle in 2013, I just thought there was kind of like a scaredness of getting hurt to his game that kind of like, it's hard to describe that. Yeah. I'm not sure you can know unless you've gone through an injury like that. Yeah, well, so so he had the leg injury, which obviously was rough and, yeah. and looked awful on the football field. Some say he cried. He was saying he didn't cry. I don't really care. <laughs> Let's not get into that. But, like, he also hurt I his would- back. You hurt his back pretty bad. And I think those two injuries combined have kind of affected him. That's why you maybe see phantom phantom pressure kind of, you know, forcing him into bad decisions or forcing him to throw the ball away. However, that doesn't really justify the fourth down throwaways, like the fourth down, <laughs> the turf or anything. There's still like some bad, that. yeah. There's still some bad. But that's going to do it. For the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast, the Friday edition, God, I hope the audio was better. We apologize for Riggins joining in on the podcast. He's a guest, but you can't really – I don't apologize. He's a co-host. You can't really you can't really control him. You know, he comes in, he comes out. He's, he's a good guy, though. But um, thanks again for listening. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts while you are in quarantine with the COVID-19 pandemic. This is Austin Gale, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts. 